Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Woohoo! Let's go! Go! Woo! Sisters, welcome to Penn Sunday School, starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Godot. Matt Donnelly, Penn and I are broadcasting from Show Creator South in Las Vegas. We'll talk a little bit about Godot and his shuttlecock. We'll get to the Washington Post article on Debbie Harry, and we'll take some viewer mail. And for those of you who think we just repeated the last one, nuh-uh, this is a different show. Here is Preach of Love, Mr. Penn Gillette. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. No, no, different show. No, different show. I'm preaching love here. Um, <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, I want to get to the Washington Post, which I didn't know anything about. Yeah. But first, I got to tell you that when I first got an email from a friend, just a random friend, who said that Debbie Harry was putting out her autobiography, as you can imagine, I tensed up a little bit. Because <laughs> <Sure. laughs> like, uh, like Pith Magic Dragon says, his biggest fear is finding out what Teller actually thinks of his Yeah, ass. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that- <laughs> yeah. You know, D- Debbie and I were uh, involved with one another yeah. in the late 80s, early 90s, I guess, for um, about three years. Yeah. About three years. I bet she's got some stories. (laughs) Yeah, she might. You have some stories. It's an intense three years, those three years. Yeah. Very intense. And I was with Debbie all the time. Yeah. I was with Debbie all the time. And uh, I'm crazy for Debbie. I just love Debbie. And uh, I... uh, I remember, you know, when I was. Uh, this also will will play a little bit to the um, Washington Post thing. Yeah. Uh, when Debbie first hit the scene, when Blondie first hit the scene. Yeah. Uh, I was totally Patty Smith. You know, that's when I was a real team player. I was Patty Smith, uh. and Debbie Harry was plastic Barbie doll bullshit. And I thought Patty Smith was real, and Bob Dylan, and everything. So in women. In punk, okay? You had Chrissy, of course, but mm-hmm. you mostly had Patty and Debbie, mm-hmm. right? And I went to see Patty like a zillion times, and I just loved Patty and Piss Factory and Horses and uh, in Excelsis, uh, Glory in Excelsis Deo and all that stuff. I just adored it. And when Patty Smith was on Saturday Night Live, I never watched Saturday Night Live, but I watched to see Patty. And uh, when Debbie was on Saturday Night Live, you know, one way or another and all that stuff. I didn't care at all. And uh, I didn't buy the records. I didn't buy the records when they came out. And uh, she just seemed to be um, uh, just very, very, her kind of looks were not interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember- Perfectly beautiful and symmetrical and delightful in every way. Yeah, best looking. <laughs> didn't like that. Most beautiful woman. Yeah, yeah. Most beautiful person in the world. Right. Didn't really do it nah, for That's not, yeah. One I thing to think about that. <laughs> I was talking to her once. And I said, I probably shouldn't have said this. Of course, my my relationship with Debbie was probably three years of probably shouldn't have said this. I said to her, you know, my friends were like huge fans of you and thought you were the sexiest person in the world. And I just never liked you. Uh, I just never liked that whole thing. And she said, so right now as we sit here, Who's the winner? <laughs> Who's the winner of that argument? Um, That's probably why she wanted to go out with you. You're the only person <laughs> like Patty better. <laughs> I'm going to ruin that, Patty. So it was it it was amazing uh, being out with Debbie because you're out with um, uh, really one of the most beautiful people on the planet, certainly in, in the in our culture. Debbie was also. One of, still is, uh, and I'm still in touch with her, by the way. Yes. I still write her emails and 
I see whenever she's in town or I'm in I'm in town. We went to uh, one of the coolest uh, side effects of helping on a, an apprentice was that she came to an event mm-hmm. and I had to sit with Debbie Harry for like a half hour and it was awesome. She's the greatest, isn't she? <laughs> she was. The greatest. And Debbie is always you know she came to our opening on Broadway. She yeah. was there for Celebrity Apprentice. She uh, she's always there in anything for me. And Debbie may be the most purely honest punk person. I've ever met in my life. Yeah, it was inspiring to be around her because the uh, the level of bullshit that's involved with Debbie Harry yeah. is the lowest. And I, I'm saying this considered, knowing that I know Amazing Randy, yeah, knowing that I knew Christopher Hitchens well, Debbie Harry's level of bullshit is the lowest of any human being I've ever met. We would come out of an opening of a movie. She you know, wasn't running. <laughs> and she would say, it sucked. Just like that. They would say to us on the red carpet, uh, could you two get a little closer together for a picture? And she'd say, you want us to fuck? You want me to blow them? Fuck you. <laughs> um, uh, she is brilliant, wicked, crazy smart. And the most amazing thing about Debbie, and this is something that's not talked about very much at all, and I think should be talked about, is the way Debbie Harry moves on stage. Because remember the Bruce Springsteen uh, Dancing in the Dark, (laughs) where he's learning to snap his fingers and move, and all these rock people moving in a certain way. And Debbie... With her looks, we all knew how she was supposed to move. And you cannot find video of Debbie Harry on in her live performance um, moving any way other than a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> I mean, she just stands and moves. And when she moves to the music, she moves sincerely to the mu- music. There's no looking in front of the mirror to see what looks good. None of that. And, you know, you can also see her, um, her sexuality is so pure. You know, you see that perfect face and stuff and think, you know, too good looking to be any fun. And yet if you do a search for Debbie Harry's picture, you can find her on stage in just a t-shirt, no underwear, shooting right up the t-shirt. She doesn't care. You know, uh, Debbie never used her looks or her sexuality were never weaponized. Yeah. It was just who she was. It's so funny that a person in our lifetime who was so gorgeous chose to be so real at the same time. I don't know if we've ever had that combination. Right. We never had. And Debbie also, she would go out of her house as natural as, uh, you know, she would go out not, you know, there was this thing with with the Hollywood star, you know, you know, someone like uh, uh, Anne Margaret and that mm-hmm. that that level of people don't ever go out of their house not looking like Anne Margaret. Right. Debbie would go out looking any way she wanted to, you know, and every moment with Debbie was a challenge. I've always been in every relationship I was in before Debbie. I was always the one who was. Uh, gave the fewest fucks, was the loudest, was the most honest. With Debbie, I did not have a chance. Right. I was yeah. in over my head. You know, if you wanted to say what was on your mind at dinner with anybody, Debbie would just do it. Now, what was the headline of the, uh, I should also say, as far as I know, I have not read the book yet. I'm looking forward to it. I am mentioned in the book very politely, kindly, uh, as a boyfriend of hers who invented a masturbation device for women called the Jill Jet, <laughs> inspired by Debbie Harry. Yeah. Uh, and she also says that she's very disappointed my wife didn't send her flowers. So my wife will send her flowers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what is the what is what is the Washington Post thing? Uh, so the headline uh, this one it was like a tweet really for tweeting the article, but said uh, Debbie Harry proves. Oh, shoot, where was it? I just had it. Washington Post mock for saying Debbie Harry has proved she's more than just a pretty blonde in a pair of tight pants. Yes, that was she, the 
po- that was the uh, post leading to the article reviewing the, the and book. there uh, the problem with that was that uh, she is more than a pretty blonde, right. pretty blonde in Taipei. So a lot of people were like, "You're an idiot, Washington Post. That's a misogynist headline. She's always been an, an icon." Yeah, well, she is, but they're saying that in the very article. I think in the so. very headline. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and the quote is from the Fox News senior meteorologist Janice Dean. <laughs> <laughs> what quote is? Too better than this Washington Post. She's a fucking icon, is what the Fox News person said. Oh, right. yeah. Well, you know, Debbie, it was um, it was really interesting because Debbie, uh, if you want to learn about misogyny and um, and uh, in our in our country, uh, going out with Debbie Harry was a really good way because yeah. I would watch as uh, as Lou Reed and Iggy Pop and all of those people aged, they got this um, this gravitas. I mean, Iggy, it's, it's ridiculous how, how much he's respected as right. the godfather of punk. And um, because of Debbie's gender, and because of how attractive she was traditionally, um, at that time, as she aged, people just kind of, um, she became less important and less iconic. So I would agree, she's a fucking icon. And what Debbie has to say about anything is fascinating. And I will tell you, you know, uh, it's one of the things I'm, I'm really interested in is who speaks about someone after they're dead, you know? Yeah. Kurt Cobain died and they did a zillion uh, shows talking about the people who knew Kurt Cobain well talking about him. And who was not there was Bobcat Goldthwait, yeah. who was probably Kurt Cobain's closest friend. Yeah. Didn't show up. Now, Warhol, there's nobody that was closer to Warhol than Debbie Harry. Right. Nobody. She doesn't show up on any of that. Mm-hmm. It was so astonishing. The first time I went to Debbie Harry's apartment in Manhattan, which was the apartment that Rear Window was written in, looking across <laughs> out there, you know, the Hitchcock movie. Yeah, Rear yeah, Window. yeah. You open the door, and the first thing you see is Andy Warhol's silkscreen of Debbie Harry. Wow. And I almost passed out. Yeah. He's, uh, 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 well, what am I doing here? You know, yeah. Uh, she was so, and she had it up there. She didn't have pictures of herself all over. I've just totally misrepresented Debbie. Totally. Sure. Because you think, oh, she's covered with pictures of how beautiful she is. Right. It was there because Warhol put it there. You yeah. know, it was a thing that a friend of hers did for her. That was it. Meant nothing to her. And uh, Debbie also, the other thing that's really, really forgotten is that, uh, or not talked about enough, not forgotten, not talked about enough, is Debbie's a really good singer, crazy good singer. You know, she would, at CBGB, with no monitors and not being able to hear herself, she would sing in fucking tune. You know, once she got the one pitch, one time, one night, for the rest of the two hours, she was in tune. She sings really well. And I also had, uh, Debbie uh, had, (laughs) she would, uh, I I always wanted, because I listened to pop music lyrics a lot, I always wanted to ask people questions about what they were thinking when they wrote it. Uh, Debbie slapped that out of me. (laughs) I would say, mucho mistrust, love's gone behind. And she'd say, I I didn't know it was going to be a hit. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) and then i have a i'm trying to the reason i got a little spacey on that was i was trying to tell figure out how to tell this story Uh without uh in any way uh it's probably in her book so probably um i'm being careful and i don't need to be but there was a situation that she was in with a guy and uh before i knew her yeah and uh it was a public uh, sexual thing. And I asked her if after this happened, after this happened and you did this, we all saw this and everything, did you actually have sex with him? <laughs> to which she gave me the greatest answer any human being <laughs> has ever given. She went, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. How, 
<laughs> That's a question a 15-year-old. Did you really have sex with her? That's a question a 15-year-old would ask me. How old are you? And then Debbie went on, and this is something that's not thought about enough. There's a, there's a band called the Jazz Passengers. Yeah. And Debbie went on uh, to sing with the Jazz Passengers. And that was hard jazz stuff that she was singing beautifully and perfectly. They're on stage with their reading glasses down on her nose, sitting on a stool and reading uh, and, and singing hard jazz music. And I remember in one rehearsal, Nathanson, I think Roy Nathanson, who was the, uh, one of the leaders of the, you know, they were the big Apple Circus band no. that then went, <laughs> they, they came from that Curtis, Curtis and Roy. By the way, just go to the Jazz Passengers and listen to their music. It's incredible. Jazz Passenger with Debbie Harry, incredible record, beautiful record. And I remember in a rehearsal, uh, Roy saying to her, uh, just count to five and come in. And Debbie saying, I don't count to five. Do you know how much fucking money I made just counting to four? <laughs> I'm only counting to four. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> counting to five. That was ridiculous. And I'll tell another Debbie Harry story that uh, I think is so funny. We were doing uh, Robert Morton, Morty of David Letterman. Yes. Um, wanted a new trick out of us. We'd done the cockroaches. We'd done all this stuff. And we pitched to him a card trick. And Morty said, no, no, no card tricks. We want something big for Letterman, something big. And we got pissed off and decided we would do a card trick with forklifts. We would run forklifts mm -hmm, sure. and do a card trick where the cards weighed a ton, right? Just a ton of cards made of um, steel, metal, yeah. sheet metal. And we diamond would- Diamond plate. Diamond plate. Diamond plate steel. We would do it. So we had to go to a warehouse in Jersey, right? And we had to work from- 10 to 5 every day learning to drive forklifts and handle the cards. And the only place we could do this, we couldn't rehearse in Manhattan, was a warehouse in Jersey that actually had forklifts and was actually moving boxes mm -hmm. around. Okay. So we would go out to this place and we would um, work all day. And there I was out there in, you know, in Teller and I in jeans and t-shirts taking our lunch break with the guys who were working there, driving the forklifts, learning to run this. And it was, it was about two weeks, and it was really hard to learn to run forklifts well. The guys that can run forklifts well are just incredible. I mean, it's just juggling. Mm -hmm. These guys that can go backwards with a load of pallets right. and load of – and we were trying to learn that practice because we had to run forklifts on the stage at Letterman. And look like professionals. Yeah, and it was tough. And then because it was so funny, we would then be picked up at the warehouse in a limo because it was Saturday Night Live's budget, no, right. Letterman's budget, and driven back to Manhattan. Mm -hmm. So one day, I had come to the end of the day, and I called up Debbie, and I said, uh, Debbie, uh, I've been working all day at the warehouse and the forklift thing, and uh, they're going to come by with a car at 6, and I thought maybe I could uh, come into the city and then pick you up, up, and we just go out to dinner. And there was a long pause, and Debbie said, if I wanted to go out with a guy who worked in a warehouse in Jersey driving a forklift, I could have skipped the whole bloody thing. <laughs> she was uh, she is just the greatest. And every time I've seen her since then, uh, since we and we didn't really break up. I mean, that's the thing that's so strange is that Debbie and I never you think you're still going out with her. <laughs> Debbie and I never decided to right. go out. Okay. It was just every day we'd call each other and get together every day, but we weren't ever going out. And I would, you know, go up to visit my parents. You want to come along, you know, and she'd be going somewhere, you know, I'm going to do a gig in Florida. Want to come? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, never made a decision. And then when I moved to Vegas and that was going, we just kind of drifted sure. apart. And we never got together and never went apart. We just kind of drifted. And that's because she's so, I mean, Debbie is one of the most fascinating, brilliant, honest, talented people I've ever met. And, you know, on that list, 
on my list of things about Debbie, and I can say this sincerely, um, how good looking she is um, doesn't come up until like 10th on the list. And not because she wasn't and isn't the greatest looking person in the world, but just because there's so much there, so much more amazing than her. So I think the Washington Post article is just trying to say that, is you've got someone that's that important, I mean, that attractive. Uh, You know, the perfect symmetrical face and those cheekbones and uh, just, you can talk about her beauty forever, but it is so far down on the list of what's fascinating about her. Right. Just tough, 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 the rest tough, of- tough, 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 tough. Just the toughest motherfucker I ever met. I think this article is about how the rest of us have only seen the photos and have not known her. You know what I mean? Your stories about her are fantastic and wonderful. And uh, what we've done is to look at these photos of this beautiful girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't have those stories or that experience. And, and this article is about Someone who read that and went, oh, wait a minute, I thought it was just this picture. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, all you got to do is see one performance. Right, but and you most know of us haven't even had the chance to There's a lot, a lot more. There's a lot more going on. And Debbie's on tour now and has this book out, and she's just, uh, uh, she's, just, she's just the greatest. I love Debbie so much. And every time I write her an email, I get a wonderful, wonderful email back. And uh, I will always tell you, sometimes uh, heart-stoppingly honest, <laughs> which I will not quote. This episode is brought to you by Vistro. That's Vistro, V-E-E-S-T-R-O. Vistro is a nationwide, 100% plant-based meal delivery service. In fact, Vistro is the number one plant-based meal delivery service in America. No prep work, chopping, or cleaning involved. I'm sorry, that can't be right. That is right. No prep work, chopping, or cleaning involved. All Vistro meals can be heated and served. So you can enjoy a hot, healthy, delicious meal whenever you're hungry. Vistro meals have no added preservatives using organic ingredients and fresh frozen for maximum taste and nutrition. They'll keep in the freezer for up to 10 weeks. Oh, this is the greatest. We all know that a plant-based diet is better for your health and the environment, but changing the way we eat can be intimidating. Many people don't know where to start. Vistro makes it easy because the food is delicious. Their chef is one of the best in the business, over 30 years experience, crafting plant-based meals. 30 years crafting plant-based 30 meals. 30 years. Yeah, wow. That's hard to believe. And since Vistro only serves plant-based meals, they're really, really good at it. We're talking healthy, hearty, and satisfying meals like country-fried chicken <laughs> Tuscan calzones. Got that, got that uh, little, little apostrophe. apostrophe in there or to is, let you know that it's not chicken. It's, or as Trump calls it, a hyphen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sky comma. Enchilada, casserole, red curry, and lots, lots, lots more. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait. Whether you're already a vegan or just vegan curious, <laughs> looking to add more plant-based meals to your diet, Vistro is convenient, delicious solution, especially if you're busy and don't always have the time, energy, and inspiration to cook. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, Vistro has you covered with all over 50 meal options, and you can customize your meal plan around your taste, including meal plans for weight loss. Vistro offers free shipping on all orders, and right now, you can try the six most popular Vistro meals for just 49 bucks. Jesus Christ. Visit TryVistro.com, T-R-Y-V-E-E-S-T-R-O.com slash that's T R Y V E E S T R O dot com slash pen. That's Vistro dot com slash pen. No commitment. Pause or cancel any time, but you can only get that $49 deal at tryvistro.com slash pen. Beautiful. That was really, really, really nice. Now, as somebody who is skeptic community adjacent, I feel obligated to point out they've made a claim about how sloppy I eat that they can't possibly know. It's true. What do you mean? What do you mean? No cleaning involved. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Challenge accepted. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. 
So I, I have so many, you know, it's so hard. I have so many Debbie Harry stories and they're all so wonderful. As a matter of fact, uh, I can't think uh, of a uh, of much conflict I ever had with Debbie, mm-hmm. except I'm used to being the one who uh, is apologized for. You know? <laughs> right. And there was nothing. There was never once at any dinner with anybody ever that I said anything that Debbie looked at me slightly askance or said <laughs> afterwards, you really shouldn't have said that. Do you realize what a remarkable thing that is? Yes. Do you have anybody <laughs> in your life that hasn't once said, I don't know, Matt, it was a little over the top? Uh, Never yeah. once. <laughs> yeah. Never once. And, you know, um, I remember I remember once, she has a song uh, called uh, Ripper to Shreds that has a great line in it, uh, a case of partial extremes. Mm-hmm. She uses that as an insult, case of partially streams. So Ripper to Shreds is is a song about insulting someone. Mm-hmm. And I remember possibly one of the sexiest moments in my life. Uh, I was out to dinner with some people I didn't know well, friends of friends, and Debbie sitting next to me. And the woman started, the woman that's a stranger, started talking about uh, astrology. And how it had changed her life and how astrology was real. And Debbie leaned over, put a hand on my shoulder, and said quietly in my ear, rip her to shreds. (laughs) 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 It it was just one of the greatest things that's that's ever happened to me. Just uh, just fast. I've certainly never received that level of encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she would never, you could look over. And also, uh, I also should say, I'm talking about how tough she was and how mean she was, uh, not mean, how, how uncompromising she was. Mm. But I should also tell you that my mom was uh, very, very elderly and Debbie was playing um, near Greenfield. She's playing somewhere in Springfield or something. Mm-hmm. And she invited uh, my mom to go to the show. And my mom and my nephew, who, because my sister was so much older than me, my nephew was is only 10 years younger than me. Right. And of course, was could not believe he could even, you know, see Debbie Harry. And he wanted to go see her show. I couldn't go. She was playing in Massachusetts. Debbie said, well, sure, your nephew can come and bring your mom. So my mom, uh, in her late 80s, uh, went to see Debbie. And Debbie had people go out and greet her and make sure she got to her seat and she was treated like royalty. And Debbie did her whole show. And my mom called me up singing, one way or another, I'm going to find you. I'm going to get you, get you, get you, get you. I mean, if there's, my mother, you know, grew up born in 1909. She was 45 when I was born. And she grew up at a time, my mom was, Tough, 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 tough. And my mom was uncompromising, and my mom was very, very smart. And my mom grew up at a time when uh, the culture did did not allow that for women, really did not right. allow that. And so she loved Phyllis Diller and Joan Rivers and any of the women that would step out of that. She just loved gutsy women. And uh, when my mom met Debbie Harry and talked to her, uh you know, most people want to talk about how, how how gentle and maternal their mom was. And certainly my mom was all that. But my mom had a tough streak. Mm-hmm. And of all the girlfriends of mine that my, my mom went, met, my mom identified with Debbie Harry <laughs> so deeply. <laughs> I mean, uh, Debbie and my mom really, really understood each other. And my mom loved seeing her on stage being tough, 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 tough. And it's so funny that the woman with those looks would be so, so much tougher 
than Patty Smith. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and also on the other side, it's really hard to think, you know, people try to talk about Marilyn Monroe looked one way, but she was really another. She was looked vulnerable, but she was really, and they try to tell that story. That's what's so bothersome with Debbie Harry. We've tried to tell that story before, but in Debbie's case, it's actually true. So I'm looking right. really forward to reading. Maybe we should have her on the show. Uh, she, duh. Duh. <laughs> yeah, we should get Debbie on. We, but to send flowers first. Be very afraid. <laughs> <laughs> if you say if you say something stupid, Matt Donnelly, yeah. Debbie Harry will tell you. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Can I put that on my resume? <laughs> I said it's like Stubie and Debbie I, Harry fixed it. For for longtime listeners of the show, I guess that bar for me is Bobby Slayton. Bobby Slayton smacked me down real good for being stupid on the show. Oh, what did Bobby Slayton say? <laughs> That's a long Let's time relive ago. that. Let's relive <laughs> that. <laughs> I was basically kind of like, he was kind of just talking about a, a little bit of his drug use and his relationship with his daughter. And I felt like, oh, this is, seems like a really cool, vulnerable moment or whatever. And I was like, was that tough? And he basically like, looked at me he's like, yeah, it was fucking tough. Like, <laughs> you fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Drugs and daughters don't go well together, you fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember being like, "Yeah, I should, I should shut up the rest of the show." <laughs> yeah, got it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, uh, Godot. Yeah, you want to revisit? I want to talk about this good and evil thing again. Okay, okay. La- I mean, I understand what you're saying. Last week, this week, some other things have come up. <laughs> A couple of little things. You know, f- first off, you know, Trump and Ukraine, right? Horrible, stupid, amazing, um, bad. But the thing that we're ignoring is that they are saying what Hunter Biden did is not illegal. And what Hunter Biden did is not illegal. He was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Got its job in this Ukrainian gas company run by a, a criminal mm-hmm. because they're trying to clean up the reputation of the place. Mm-hmm. Hunter Biden doesn't speak Russian. Mm-hmm. Hunter Biden's not in the oil business. Hunter Biden uh, doesn't know Ukrainian law. Mm-hmm. He hasn't. The only thing Hunter Biden has is access to his dad. And they are paying Hunter Biden fifty thousand a month because he's going to be there. He's fifty thousand a month to be their to be their lawyer. He's not working as their lawyer. The only thing he is is an access to his dad. Now. The claim is that he's not using that access to his dad in any way to promote this company. But this is why politicians who take a hundred fifty thousand dollar a year job end up billionaire, you know. Oh, yeah, I see. You know, in, in in Congress, mm-hmm. and are now billionaires. They're, they're millionaires, not billionaires, but millionaires. The reason is because they are doing things that, although not technically illegal, sure smell bad, mm-hmm. and things that they set up the laws for that made them not illegal. This is something, what Hunter Biden did, like I said, not illegal by the letter of the law, but it smells pretty bad. It's it's an evil thing that our politicians have chosen and done. In, in the news that I read, in the specific news that I read, mm-hmm. the whole thing about Hunter Biden is just ignored entirely. Yes. Right. It's, all it's just about- ignored entirely. And this is something that is, in my opinion, evil. This is something that we need. This has to be, this has okay, to be taken out. Okay, we have to out. talk about, see. <laughs> this, is, this is using your dad's name to clean up something that smells bad. This is your dad is the, the charcoal filter <laughs> to try to fix the stench coming off of this company. So. I know I don't think government should be involved in this, but government should not have allowed this either. They made the laws that made this legal, even though it's something that is pretty awful. Now, do you think uh, I want to I want to jump right to uh, out of politics into into metaphysics, into metaphysics? Okay. do you think there is this is where we may disagree. Do you think there is such a thing as evil? I, I. I generally agree with you that that the people who are doing evil do not. But do you think there is a force in the universe? No, no, I don't think there's a force in the okay. universe. Let's start not, with that. Not, not at all. Now, do you feel within you? Uh, we've finish, had finish both your sentences. 
there are forces in the universe like gravity and things like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe right. that there are evil forces? Right. No, no. Okay, Other than gravity, no. <laughs> Gravity's only evil to juggle. Yes. <laughs> And guess what I do? <laughs> I fight gravity daily. <laughs> I'm a hero. <laughs> Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Um, I don't think there's an evil force. I think that there are choices that can be made think that are specifically made to fuck over other people. And this is one of those decisions where somebody went, I don't need to deal with society the way it is. I don't have to deal with the consequences of this. I can I can benefit from this, and it's bad for everyone else. So when, It is bad for everyone else for him to be involved in this. When did the evil happen on this, the bad happen? You're a you're, you're, you're hunter, and someone comes to you and says, we want you to work in the UK. What do you say? Ukraine, what do you say? I don't really know anything about that. <laughs> I don't work in the oil industry. I'm, a, I'm an attorney. I could represent you perhaps if there were something in the US that were coming up. But that's, that's not what you want. What you want is access to my dad. Or at the very least, the illusion of access to my dad. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that those are, are things that I can support. The illusion of access to your dad is the most interesting part there and i think that that is in fact the key i think they wanted the illusion of access to his dad but it's not the illusion of access to his dad they it's not that he's scamming them they know they don't have access to his dad it's that they want his good name associated with them is that right i think that that's what happened and i think that it's not unlikely I, he does have access to his dad, first off. Second off, his dad's going to say, my son works there. When it comes time to, to, to put some legislature, legislation that's going to negatively interfact that. But isn't this also backwards? Wasn't, wasn't Biden against the same bad guy that they were against? Yes. Yes. Biden was trying to get rid of that prosecutor who, uh, who, who no one felt, to be fair, no one felt was doing a good job. Mm-hmm. His job was to stop corruption. He was not stopping corruption. He was encouraging corruption. Mm-hmm. And now Biden, you know, took a step to try to end that guy's reign. Part of that is that his son got this crazy job. Part of it, or maybe, because maybe he would have done it anyway. Maybe he would have done it anyway. Mm-hmm. That seems fine. Taking this job, we all know is bad. I think Biden knows it's bad. I think his son knows it's bad. Mm-hmm. And I think it, they know it looks bad. And I think they went, it's $50,000 a month. I think I'll do this for two years. And then we'll say it looks bad. And I'll quit. I, you, you know what I mean? I think that this was specifically done to, in a way that now, fucks us all. Right after uh, Saudi Arabia uh, chopped up Khashoggi's. Yeah. yeah. Right after they chopped up Khashoggi, we got an offer. To play Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. At stupid money. Right. Stupid, crazy money. Yeah. Like uh, 20 times we get paid. And we get paid well. The questions were amazing. We said to them, we have uh, uh, our crew is run by a woman. We have many gays in our employ. And we have many people of uh, who, who identify with Jewish ancestry. We have uh, the three three of the groups of people that you hate and make illegal. We have that work with us, and they will come with us when we go. It's as easy as that. And they said, "No, no, we'll, we'll work that out. That's fine." We said, "Also, you have imprisoned people for doing magic." <laughs> <laughs> you have said that magic is the work of the devil, and it, it's illegal. And they right. said, no, no, well, not anymore. And we said, can we fit in the theater? And they said, okay. we'll build the theater for you. How big a theater do you want? And they said, we want like 500 seats. 
Okay. Well, that means when you figure in travel and everything else, the ticket price. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few hundred thousand dollars per person <laughs> to see the Penn and Teller show in Saudi Arabia. Now, I wanted to do it because <laughs> <laughs> I thought there'd be good stories. Absolutely. And Glenn said, well, you know, the good story is going to be you in, you in Saudi Arabia in prison. That's going to be the good story. That's what's going to happen. And then Glenn said to me, um, you know, they're just doing this because they want Western acts to be playing in Saudi Arabia to show that they're okay. And I went, really? And what does Penn and Teller get you? You know, Penn and Teller, we don't have a reputation as being anything. You know, we do a fucking magic act. We're not nothing. And he said, well, just Western acts going over there. You know, it's like when we were asked to play Sun City, you know, yeah. right. way back when there was apartheid. They didn't expect us to speak out in favor of the Saudi government. They didn't expect us to do that. They didn't expect us to do anything. I don't even know if they expect us to do a show. Right. They just wanted to be able to say, and they didn't even care with Penn and Teller. I mean, I'm sure I'm acting like they got in touch with Penn and Teller. They didn't get in touch with Penn and Teller. They got in touch with everybody. Right. Right. They're at a certain level. Right. Sure, Copperfield got the same offer. Of course. Of course. Copperfield got a better offer, of course. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, and probably, you know, who knows? Seinfeld probably got a right. you know, hundred times that. Um, uh, I don't know who else would, would be on that list, but I know it's going to be a hundred people, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, as that Khashoggi thing died down, the offer just went away. Just, yeah. But somebody said for PR stuff. So to take that gig, would you call that evil? I don't think that that's the same, but now, no, I would not call that evil. Isn't your Hunter, uh, Hunter argument a little bit like uh, the people who said I should not have gone on Glenn Beck because being on a show with people I disagree with? Uh, couldn't Hunter make the argument that he would be there and maybe be able to make people who were corrupt do better things? Couldn't you make that argument? I don't think he was there. But I mean, he, obviously, so, he's talking to someone. Well, yeah, I mean, he may say, uh, you know, I'm, that's $50,000 a month less that they that they have. And that's better for our economy. But the, the truth of it is that they were looking for influence from American politicians to make them seem more legit so that they could steal more money. And, and that's what, indeed what they've done. These are people who, uh, during the breakup of the Soviet Union, stole the, the, the crown jewels of the Soviet Union mm -hmm. and became oligarchs. The oligarchs are not generally people who started a business and then became successful. They were people who stole stuff mm -hmm. and became very wealthy and then started businesses because they were very wealthy. Right. And so, so back backwards from what right. our, our pure well, capitalism you know, would say, like the Kennedys, you know, bootleggers. being bootleggers, yeah. and then saying, "Well, let's get into politics." Mm -hmm. It is that; it's very much that. And then they've peddled that influence uh, in a, in a way that we've sold access to our vice president. So, what do you? We've think? sold apparent access. Perhaps not actual access, but apparent access to the vice president. And what they're saying is that when you look at our company, we're not criminals. If we were criminals, would we have access to the vice president? Mm -hmm. So what do you think uh, role-playing? I think you already said this. I want you to say it again. Okay. What do you think Hunter said to his family, his wife, when he was making this decision? Woohoo, $50,000 a month. <laughs> I don't even have to do anything. I don't even have to go there. All they think is they're getting access to my dad. And they don't even have that. Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. This is tough. I, like I said, I, I believe this to be an example of someone doing something they know is wrong, but believing that they can make money off of it. And so, okay. Now, the trap I was falling into... You're making a lot of good points here. The trap I was falling into is I think uh, it can be sloppified. It's, it's sloppier than this, but it, it, it becomes the enemy of my enemy of my friend. Mm -hmm. I uh, am so bothered by Trump as our president right. that I think he makes a phone call 
to Ukraine, and he says, uh, you know, or he, he he implies, he leans, he does whatever. Uh, well, no, we don't have to even say that. I'd like you to do me a favor. Yeah, he says to a foreign country, "Fuck Biden." Yeah, essentially what it comes down to. Whether he was holding back the millions of dollars worth of. It doesn't really matter much. He asked a foreign country for a political favor. Right. When I hear that, I'm so appalled by that. Right. That uh, I try to separate out the Biden thing. Yeah. We saw this same thing. And we should. On we should emails, separate it. Right? Same technique on the emails. Definitely, right? And this is the thing that like uh, um, people who play political football don't realize about people who are more of uh, uh, indignant zealots like us. It's just like people are like, oh well, Hillary, blah blah. You're like, great, she's out too. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's I'm fuck over shit. both of these folks. Yeah. I'm like, fine with that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great. I'm cool if we want to start holding them to a higher standard. I am cool with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care how many Democrats that eliminates. Well, this is what they did with um, with uh, with Al Franken. Yeah. And et cetera, on, the, on that other issue, they just yeah. said, okay, we are changing this and some of our own will go down because of this. Yes. And that is the way you don't look like a hypocrite. Right. You're saying in your mind that the right position on this is that Hunter Biden did a bad thing and so did Trump. Yes. The fact that Trump was looking into something that you think is bad does not in any way exonerate Trump. And the fact that Trump is doing something that's uh, that's uh, perhaps treason yeah. does not exonerate us. These, these are separate cases. Now, what do you think of the, um, uh, how much do you think, um, we still haven't gotten to the, I think when we're talking about evil, I still don't think you've made the case that someone has said, I'm going to do something bad. You've come real close to making it. Right. <laughs> I I think that he knew that this would this was the wrong thing to do, and that he was I being guess, used. I we guess a- what I do wrong is I think uh, when I try to argue against the existence of evil, I think of people doing evil with no upside for themselves, and that is a crazy way to look at it. You're saying he did something wrong with a societally. With a- this is something that is not acceptable. He went, yeah, well. To heck with those guys! I want fifty thousand a month. Mm-hmm. Right? You know what I mean, this is something that even appears bad and is bad, and this may come back and bite me in the ass. But it's fifty thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. and this is also yeah. Like, come on, think about it. Like, this is a family that. And I've looked at the laws. This is not illegal. Mm-hmm. They can yell at me, but they can't put me in jail. Well, this is also what do we do? Do we believe? I don't even know this. Do we believe that Joe Biden was part of this decision? I'm sure that Joe Biden was part of this decision. How do you know that? It's his dad. Yeah. And if it, he got this job because of his dad. He knows that. Mm-hmm. He's got to know that. It's not. They didn't say, hey, we, you, you, your Russian is so good. Why don't you come over here and represent an industry you don't know anything about? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have the Russian. He doesn't have the laws. He doesn't know the industry. Mm-hmm. There's only one reason he's doing this. He has to go to his dad and go, Dad, I've looked at this and it's legal. This is legal. I can do this. How cool is that? Dad says, wow, that's a lot of money. Go ahead. Uh, that's hard, though. Your kids can talk to you in ways that make you go like, ah, shoot. I don't want to actually shoot this down or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. Zoltan Gillette gets hired as a stage manager for a touring magic show mm-hmm. and says, Dad, they're not going to use your name. They, they know you're not in any way associated with it. I get to tour the country. I really want to take this gig. Mm-hmm. You would have a hard time being like, Zoltan, they're lying to you. Well, yeah, but that, that's a bad that's a bad situation because there's no harm to society in that. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. N- no harm at all. Yeah. Um, it is hard. Uh, it also is hard to say... Do we have a situation where Joe Biden can say, my son is a scumbag? No. <laughs> right, 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 right. We, we, can't, we, can't, we can't draw it that way. So uh, what's Joe Biden saying about this now? I don't know what Joe Biden's saying about this. He's saying it was legal. This is legal. They've checked this out. It was all legal. And which is what Trump's saying, too. You know, the thing that really interests me about Trump, and I, I, realize, and I, I think everybody in the world 
has realized this before me. But this morning I was thinking, you know, Trump doesn't even give lip service to I'm trying to help people, does he? No. He no. says, I'm winning, we're winning, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this. He'll talk about fairness, he'll talk about this, we're going to do this. But he never really ever even gives lip service to compassion and doing the right thing, does he? I think that he does when he's talking about black people. He says, well, have, black people have more jobs now. That's great, isn't it? Yeah, and, he, and he's committing uh, uh, <laughs> he's really prison sentences and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, it's so it's so strange. But this is really uh, this has really shook me up because you you've actually found a uh, a really heavy blind spot with me because I was just giving uh, giving Biden a complete just total Pasadena. Uh, yeah, because because I'm I'm so uh, so bothered by Trump. Right. And in both cases, in so many, in, in, in cases I can even draw to my personal life, you say, this isn't illegal. That should not be the only standard which you live your life, you know? Uh, well, it should, it should never come up. I mean, in a just society, yeah. you should be able to do what's morally right all the time and never think about the law. Right. But I'm even saying that, like, if we even say like, well, it's not illegal, that thought should already be a red flag of like, whatever I'm doing right. <laughs> is probably yeah. something I don't want. Yeah. yeah. You know, right. uh, because what we want is, is like leadership. What we want is the stewardship, you know, of, of these positions and these things, these roles. We want roles. them to behave honorably and they don't. And they don't. Yeah, but not, yeah, once again, we're doing a, we're doing a, Right, right. But it goes back to my thing about politics. Po you know, politics is a giant refrigerator. Uh, sometimes, you, <laughs> sometimes, just end there. Just okay. Perfectly. Sometimes, <laughs> when you put milk in, sometimes it's already bad when you put it in. But even if you put it in fresh in a couple of months, it's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> so politicians are milk. Politicians are milk. And, we, and, and, and politics specifically is the refrigerator. And we can put them in good, but in a two months, they've gone bad. Wow. You got to toss it. Yeah, you got to toss them out. Toss them out. That's, yeah, that term limits is a good idea for that reason. It well, should be an expiration date would be a better word for it. <laughs> we have in, we have built in term limits of people being able to vote. They can vote this out. Like when I heard Trump talk about, this was another blind spot for me. Yeah. Trump talked about globalization is horrible. It's all national. Let's mm -hmm. all stick for our own countries. I was appalled by that. And then I realized that um, that is a different point of view than mine, yeah. but not an immoral point of view. Right. And the way we deal with that is with voting. Yes. And I will tell you, this is such an incredibly funny thing to say. If Trump had done everything else right in his entire career, his entire career, saying that in front of the United Nations is enough that I wouldn't vote for him. <laughs> if everything else were perfect, yeah. that is so appalling to me. Right. It's your Debbie Harry moment. You'd have pulled him aside <laughs> after dinner and gone, look, Donald, I think this is probably not the right place. <laughs> yeah. No, not the right place to say that. That is something that is exactly against uh, everything I'm feeling more and more all the time. Right. I mean, why would you actually try to celebrate separating people? Yeah. And the idea that there is such a thing as an American is complete insanity to me. The accident of birth makes me in the greatest country in the world. It, it's just insane. Uh, I have no more right to anything. And, you know, uh, although I know emotionally that a child um, who needs help in front of Reddy's house is uh, much more important to me than a child who needs help right now in Chad. But uh, intellectually, I know that's wrong. Yeah. You know, we must, we must see ourselves globally. And we are more and more, that's just a fact. You know, I guess you could argue that there was a United States 
150 years ago that had some sort of sense. But right now, information on our computer doesn't know where it comes from. Right. And that is just good. People are just people all over. And the idea of, uh, you know, you try to make it into a libertarian thing, like, well, take care of yourself. Yeah. And then that helps everybody else. Take care of the United States and that helps everybody else. I can kind of sort of see that argument a little tiny bit. That's not the argument Trump's making, of course. No. Uh, he's just going, yeah. Um, <laughs> win. But win. But, uh, but boy, that bothered me. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so surprised that that's what troubled me so much, Trump making those statements. Yeah. Even though obviously you take care of yourself, you take care of your family, you take care of your community, you take care of your country, and if you do all of that right, then it helps the world. But he's not thinking about it that way. He's thinking about closing off, yeah. not expanding out. I want to expand out from who I am to every person in the world. And as I've said over and over again, I want to try to remember that I have two choices. One or seven billion. There's no other choice. I can say I, or I can say us, but there is no them. And in order, in this trip to craziness, I'm probably going to start including animals too. Whoa. Because I just think we've got to stop as much suffering as we possibly can. But for right now, seven billion are us, <laughs> or I can talk about me but I don't want to do an us or them. And that's the positive way to put it. The negative way Reach to- in love is the positive yeah, way to put it. <laughs> the negative way to put it is that just because Trump is doing egregious things does not mean that Hunter Biden is totally okay, which right. is which is your real point. And your point is, uh, we got to do another one. Long time ago, we used to do Pull the Weasel. <laughs> and uh, I want to get back into that because Pull of the Weasel was a really interesting idea at the end of the radio show. For those of you who don't know, don't remember Pull of the Weasel, Pull of the Weasel was we had people, we, we did it ourselves, and we also talked, had people call in and tell when they felt the Pull of the Weasel. And the Pull of the Weasel is when you uh, are tempted to do the wrong thing. Yeah. When you find a wallet and it's full of money, and it has the person's ID in it, and you have that moment, like, what harm would it do to pull the money out and drop this into Lost and Found? Yeah. You know, we, well, what other examples do we have? There it there is. There it is. There's a, play a little more of that Pull the Weasel. I love the Pull the Weasel song. <laughs> yeah. So listen, for, uh, for uh, next week, we're, having, uh, we're, having, we're doing uh, Gary Marcus. Yeah. Next week, we're doing Gary Marcus. But for the week after, maybe some people will write in to, uh, what is it, question pen? At gmail.com. At gmail.com. Question pen at gmail.com. Confession time. <laughs> if you have some good pull of the weasel, whichever way you went, whether the weasel won or whether you won, let's find out what you did when you had your Hunter Biden moment. Because the, 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 yeah, the, the argument for the Hunter Biden moment for me is like my family, right? I sure. don't give a shit if I get ripped apart in the press and maybe even lose respect of some friends if I'm setting up my family, mm -hmm. right? And it's not illegal. So if you had, if you were offered $600,000 yeah. for something that uh, looked terrible, right? but how much that would help your family, yeah, that's a tough choice. Yeah. It's a really tough choice. Yeah. But I think... Godot is still ultimately right. I'm bringing up that example, but also because I still think I end up in a really bad place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm offered 350 grand a year to be Trump's speechwriter for his reelection campaign. You know, I'd have a hard time. Yeah. But you, you just sneak stuff in. <laughs> oh, yeah, it would be funny. It would be really funny. And I want to close by saying do not vote for me under any circumstances. <laughs> Who wrote this? <laughs> I did, sir. 350 grand a year. That's me. Good job, son. <laughs> okay. Do you, you get any shows coming up or anything, you guys? Anything you have to talk about? Yeah. How pathetic. <laughs> uh, go, go to mindnoodler.com. I'm uh, opening for Piff all of uh, November. Mindnoodler.com. Don't say mindnoodler.com. Mindnoodler.com. Yes. Yes. 
Find out where the mind noodle is going to be with Piff. And yeah. by the way, this Thursday, Friday, Piff and I and uh, will be at the Genie Convention in Orlando. And I just saw the script of what we're doing. And, oh, oh, nice. Oh, 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 my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What do you got coming up, Goodell? Uh, Lance Burton and Friends in Philadelphia, uh, October what 19th theater in and 20th. I don't know. It's part of a magic convention. Ah. But I think there'll be a public for s- public sales for Lance Burton and Friends in Philadelphia. And then the week after that, the 22nd through the 26th, I'm at the Hermosa Beach Comedy of Magic Club, oh, I like which is the greatest spot. Yeah, the greatest. That's where you can do two shows. Yeah. Five minutes apart. It's so good. Yes. Come off stage and run to the other things. Theater, start another show. That's so good. No. And that was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha, cha, cha. And to our listening You become naked. Man, I got to read that Debbie Harry book, I guess. <laughs> I, I got myself so missing Debbie today. I got to write her an email. So yep. when you read it, are you going to search for your name first and then read the whole thing after you've read the articles about you, or are you just going to read it front to back? I don't usually search. I mean, my rule is to not I won't read, read anything with my name in it. Right. I mean, that's why I haven't read it, because I maybe thought you'll my name would be in it. Maybe I'll skip those paragraphs. Yeah, maybe I'll skip those paragraphs. You know we love You it. and I will read it, Matt. Yeah, we'll sure. report back next week. <laughs> Hey everybody, Jason Ellis here from the Jason Ellis Show podcast, reminding you that my podcast, new episodes every Wednesday, downloadable, where all podcasts are available. Come see my friends, Michael and Kevin, as we talk to you about what's awesome, what sucks, fitness, fighting, parenting, life, spin kicks, LGBTQ community, how to defend yourself against a shark if it attacks you out of nowhere, and much, much more. So come join us. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.